From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, IOL materials and a component IOL at APA CRS. You can easily change it to another optic style and resolve the problems which we are not flexible in doing now. First this. 2017 marks the launch of a new meeting, the iWorld Surgical Summit in Deer Valley, Utah. The beauty of Deer Valley is astounding. Gorgeous mountains, crisp air, wonderful food, and Deer Valley is justifiably famous for its fabulous skiing. And all of this is just the backdrop to the most convivial and practical meeting of the year. The iWorld Surgical Summit focuses on advances and techniques that you can apply to your practice immediately. Look for links to next year's Surgical Summit at surgicalsummit.iworld.org. And did I mention the skiing? I had the opportunity to interview a number of people advancing the forefront of ophthalmology during the annual meeting of the Asia-Pacific Association of Cataract and Refractive Surgeons in Hangzhou, China. Edited versions of these interviews are presented on the iWorld Replay website as brief videos. I'm going to present these interviews in their entirety over a number of podcasts. Today, we hear from Gert Alfart on a new IOL material and from Robert Ang on a component IOL. I'm here with Gert Alfart. Gert, we're talking about an exciting topic today, um, which is um, the materials of intraocular lenses, and there's a particular reason that we're talking about it, but let me just set things up. Since the introduction of intraocular lenses, we think about the, the, the Harold Ridley lenses, which were initially uh, Perspex, PMMA lenses, although there was initially a lot of evolution in lens design, there was really very little evolution in lens materials for, you know, four decades. New materials started to uh, displace PMMA in the, in the 1990s. Can I get you to flesh out for me this evolution of lens materials? Yes, we can say um, that First of all, the lenses were just made in order to cure aphagia. Uh, uh, and as you said, the design was uh, a second thing. And the material, actually, the third thing people were thinking about. And over the years, we've learned a lot about the design, uh, getting up to C-loop type lenses, one-piece lenses. So we needed materials that can be folded and be put through a very small incision. And I don't know if you remember that the very first uh, uh, Alcon lenses, for example, you had to put in a water bath, in a warm, heated water bath, in order to fold them. They were still almost as rigid as PMMA lenses. Uh, and in order to uh, fold them, you have to do that, and then you could put it in. Nowadays, the lenses have evolved that they can be folded or that they can be set up in a preloaded system in a way that you can slit them through a very small incision below 2.2 or below 2 millimeters and this has to do with the polymer research the companies did over the years developing strategies to more smoothen the lenses and to more control actually the behavior of the material. Now Aside from biocompatibility, which is obviously paramount when we talk about materials, and aside from flexibility, as you have mentioned, what, what, what else do, are we concerned with with the materials from which our IOLs are, are, are manufactured? 
well with the acrylic materials you have to balance out the water content and the way the polymers react with the surrounding uh, environment especially the aqueous humor and especially the aqueous humor in an environment where for example you have a diseased eye after diabetic retinopathy, after some traumatic change or whatever, where the blood echo barrier is changed, and this can interfere actually with the uh, with the material, especially if you have a high water content. On the other hand, if you have a hydrophobic lens with a very low water content, only small amounts of water can have an impact, resulting, for example, into glistening or other formation. Hoya has uh, introduced a a new material, a new uh, hydrophobic acrylic material for its Vivinex lenses. How does this material differ from existing hydrophobic acrylic materials? Well, as a matter of fact, uh, a lot of details are propriety, so uh, they don't really expose that. Um, and it doesn't really show to be a, a material which is much different from the others. Uh, what they managed is to control the water molecules inside the polymer network. These uh, water molecules are kind of fixed and they don't tend to form these microvacuoles. This is the, the, the glistenings. That is what we call the glistenings. There are different types of glistenings. The bigger glistenings that everybody knows are the microvacuoles, but you can also have a, a thin uh, sub-lens uh, uh, surface layer, which we call like the, the whitening of, of the surface, which are micro, micro, micro or nano vacuoles, so to say. And uh, they were able to keep that apart uh, from, from the polymer development. Gerda, I, I use uh, hydrophobic acrylic lenses currently. W what would my experience as a surgeon be using the Vivinex lens as opposed to what I currently use in terms of f uh, um, folding it? Well, I guess I, I don't have to fold it, right? The, these are all yes. preloads? Pre yes, yes. One, one thing that uh, you have to, to, to mention is that, that this is a whole system. The preloaded system, the isoid injector as well as the uh, hydrophobic lens, they fit together in a kind of perfect way. The lens is folded in the injector that it always comes out in the same fashion. It is a very uh, predictable way the lens enters uh, the anterior chamber in the capsular bag. First haptic going directly under the capsulotomy, second haptic comes out and you can actually guide this haptic with a plunger uh, in a so-called one-step procedure inside the capsular bag. The lens is fairly soft compared to a hydrophobic lens. You may see other hydrophobic lenses that are kind of harder uh, or more rigid. And it has not the stickiness uh, as we see it with some of the others, where sometimes you can really have the lens, the haptics being sticked on the on the entire surface, for example, of the lens when it comes out. But yeah. a lot of this has to do with the way it is preloaded in the system, so it does not have the chance to get squeezed together on the surface. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm a fan of of preloaded lenses generally because it takes one variable out of the yeah. of the of the surgery and as you mentioned one of the issues that I've had with the preloads that I've used is is that the lens goes into the the uh, bag perfectly and then the haptics are just absolutely stuck uh, and it's sometimes very difficult not very difficult but it's a pain in the butt separating haptics I understand that uh, Hoya has done a, a surface treatment to roughen the the surface of the uh, haptic so that they have less of a tendency to stick. Yes, the, the surface treatment also has uh, 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 is the aim to reduce PCO. Yeah, this is actually the, the main issue uh, where they develop the uh, surface treatment. But it has, of course, another 
second advantage that there is uh, not the stickiness in the anterior part causing this what we call like handshaking haptics where they, they fit together but I have to emphasize it also has to do the way it is loaded in the in the, uh, in the injector and it comes out in a way that it doesn't touch the uh, surface of the lens. Now there are two materials right there's the XC1 and the XY1 what, yeah. what, what is the, the difference between the, the, the materials is are yeah. Are they the same thing, but one of them is uh, just the, the blue blocking chrome? Yeah, actually they are exactly the same material, and this uh, the clear version and the uh, uh, blue filter version, the yellow lens, yes. Th well, there's no other difference. Neat stuff, Gerd. Gerd, I want to thank you very much for bringing this interesting topic to us, uh, and as always, for being so very generous with your time with us today. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'm here with Robert Eng. Robert Magadadumaga. I'm happy that you're, the, that you're here. We're going to be talking about something really neat. When I think of explanting lenses, and between you and me, I try to think of it as little as I can. The challenge with explanting lenses, if we're going to break it down, is really not the explantation of the, of the optic, it's the explantation of the haptics. Now, you gave an interesting talk about a new sort of component lens system, the Harmony lens. Can I get you to, to spell it out? And I, and I understand that, that you can address some of these challenges with this lens. Yes, uh, good morning. I'm Dr. Robert Ang from the Philippines and I'm involved in doing studies for this lens called the Harmony Modular IOL. Um, the concept of the Harmony is it's a two-piece system wherein there's a round base with haptics and you implant it into the capsular bag first. So it acts like a capsular tension ring. It stretches the bag and then you implant the optic next inside within the base is a groove where you can put the optic in so the base actually is sized eight millimeters um, in diameter and then the optics about 5.8 so we have a monofocal and a toric version of the optic and as you said because it's a two-piece system the the rationale for developing this is we we are always afraid of damaging the capsule when you try to tease out the haptics, no matter what kind of haptic, plate haptic, C-loop, double C-loop, um, because of fibrosis, it tends to attach. So with the harmony, the fibrosis happens on the base. And you can explant the optic very safely, whether one month, one year, or however long, because the optic is free of the capsular bag. So it, 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 sounds, uh, it sounds really cool. What, what, what I'm interested in is, is this. So is the base rigid or is the base itself foldable? Talk me through an implantation of, of this lens. Okay, so um, when, we, when we plan for a Harmony lens implantation, the first thing is you need to make a capsulotomy size that's at least maybe 5.7 or 6 millimeters so that you can easily implant the base. So the base, as I said, is 8 millimeters wide and it's foldable. It's made of acrylic material, same as the IOL. So you inject it into a clear corneal incision first. Uh, 2.8 millimeter size, you inject it and then you sort of dial the base into the bag. Now, once that is secure, then there's a second injection of the optic, and then you sort of have to um, 
dial the optic into the groove as well. So we've, over the past two years we've been doing, we've developed like small instruments because the optic has a dialing hole and you use the dialing hole to guide it into the groove of the bass. So is it that, that the groove is just a, a, like a racetrack groove or it's actually threaded and you're screwing it in? You don't screw it in. It's just like a groove and you can, you can the, the, the optic has little flexible antenna. So once you push one side in, the antenna collapses for you to allow the trailing oh, part into it. The, the good thing about it is you can, so I do a clear corneal incision and I can go temporal, but for example, you do a toric and you want to angle it oblique, you can aim it oblique and insert it that way too. Oh, that's really interesting. So that, um, be, because right now with torics, I'm, I'm locked into the orientation for the uh, for the haptics is defined by the orientation that I need for the for the optic. But this way, it's I separate. can put the haptics in in the orientation yes. that I want, and then rotate. Oh, that's yes. really neat. Because it over time the the haptic of and the base will fibrose. Yeah. So you need to be able to direct the 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 optic axis whichever direction you want. So. Uh, the optic can be directed 90 degrees obliquely and you don't have to touch the base again. The base is securely fibrous in the back. So if I, um, if I have to, to go back in uh, at, a, at a later date, you know, three, six months post-op, yes. um, to rotate the toric lens because the, the, the orientation of the lens was not the way that I predicted I would need. Yes. It, it, this is, it sounds, I mean, look, I haven't done this, but it sounds like it would be an easier process than it w would be with the conventional toric lens where I have to worry about rotating the, the actual yes. haptic. So the, the safer way of doing it is to unlock and uncouple the optic and then rotate it and then reinsert rather than dial the optic. Yes, eye because eye. you might cause stress in the zonules of the whole capsular bag. So you want to, actually, we've, again, we've developed some instruments to hook the optic out, and then you redirect, and then you just tuck it in again. So it's basically like tucking in the, the IOL into the groove all the time. Oh, that's really neat. So is, is this lens something that uh, is um, available commercially in, in, in markets now, or, or it's in testing? Um, in, they have CE mark. Of course, the, the goal, the eventual goal, is to have a monofocal, a toric, a multifocal, an EDOF, an EDOF toric, a multifocal toric in terms of optics so that the, pa the patient and the doctor has their choice. But the, the overriding advantage here is if they're not happy, you can easily change it to another optic style and resolve the problems which we, we are not flexible in doing now. Yeah, that's really, really interesting because the, the complications that are associated with haptics are completely different from the complications, the if you want to call that, that, that are associated with the, with the optics. And, yeah, and the vision, and them. the vision itself. Yeah, really, really, really interesting stuff. Uh, Robert, I want to thank you for, for, for bringing this, this really cool topic to us, uh, and, and as always, for being so very generous with your time with us today. Thank you so much. Gerd Alfart is chairman of the Department of Ophthalmology at the University of Heidelberg in Heidelberg, Germany. Robert Eng comes to us from the Asian Eye Institute in Makati City, Philippines. Ask questions of Dr. Alfar, Dr. Ang, or any of our previous guests, 
or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.